Welcome back to another episode of the Crossroads Forum. I'm your host and BIC Executive Director, Brian Gould. Today, we will be discussing the results of the 2022 midterm election. We'll take a look at how races played out in Indiana, as well as how things look on a national level. And really also, what does it mean for the road and bridge construction industry moving forward here in Indiana? I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Caitlin Lang, one of the many talented State House reporters here in Indianapolis. Those of us that work in the State House hallways are very dependent on our team of reporters overseeing the people's work. And I can say Caitlin is one that I follow closely on social media. So Caitlin, thank you very much for joining us today and sharing your insights on the election results from Tuesday. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Caitlin, do you have any kind of big takeaways from Tuesday's results? Any kind of underarching, overarching theme or any, any big takeaways for us? Yeah, I have a couple. First of all, I know nationally the big conversation was around how there wasn't this red wave that was expected. But here in Indiana, it was different. Republicans had a great night and will continue to control state government moving forward. Uh, You know, Republicans maintain super majorities in both chambers, which obviously means, you know, they have very limited checks on their power in the legislative branch. And then also Republicans won every statewide seat right. in Indiana, which is also, you know, means they have a lot of control. Sort of the other big picture thing that we noticed a lot was that there was a lot of apparent straight ticket voting that was very okay. key in, in the results in both Indiana and Indianapolis, where the inverse happened and Democrats had a lot of, had a really good night there. So I think some of that is people going in and pushing that straight ticket button. We're one of six states that have that. But also, I think also experts say it's just we live in a very polarized times. People are sticking with their their respective parties. So we saw that really impact the results, even on some close races or some races that we expected to be close. They weren't all that close, I think, because of a lot of people choosing the straight ticket option. Right. That was that was kind of my takeaway as I was talking to some of our members that, you know, Wednesday and Thursday was seemed like Republicans did really well in Republican districts and Democrats did really well in Democrat Democrat districts. And that probably definitely makes sense if people are just doing straight ticket voting like that. Um, you know, we were kind of watching, you know, the, the historical norm for a midterm election where the party in power typically loses a lot of seats. This summer, it seemed like, you know, it was kind of back and forth. Republicans were really confident early summer. Democrats were late summer. Going into Election Day, Republicans, like you mentioned, were kind of expecting this red wave. It almost kind of seemed like neither party seemed to gain traction. Both just kind of voters seemed to stay where they were at. Uh, it almost kind of seemed like no one came out of this really a big winner whatsoever. Yeah, I would I would argue nationally, Democrats can count this as a win just because usually, like you said, in midterms, we would have expected Democrats to be demolished this cycle. And the fact that they weren't, the fact that days later, we still don't know who's going to control the Senate and the House, I think is really telling that this wasn't this huge landslide Republican year nationally. So I think Democrats nationally are probably pretty happy with where they stand. Right. So let's take a look at some Indiana State House races. Let's start with the House of Representatives. Obviously, you know, we had redistricting this year, so some districts had changed quite a bit. That probably played a factor in some of the the votes, how they played out. 
Also, a couple new districts out there. It seems like Democrats picked up a couple there, but lost a couple incumbents. So what House races were you particularly watching or, or some results that are interesting? Yeah, I think, you know, obvi- like you mentioned, it, it was a wash in the House. At least that's what it appears so right. far. Yeah. Obviously, things could change. There could be recounts, that sort of thing. But one of the more interesting races was in Carmel. You know, Victoria Garcia Wilbur- Wilburn, a mm-hmm. Democrat, was able to beat Republican Fred Flynn to take over what was previously a Republican-controlled seat, you know, on the south side of Carmel. Now, obviously, right. some of that, I think, is due to redistricting. Yeah. You know, we knew this was going to be a close race going into it, but I I think it is really interesting that a Democrat was able to pull through. And I think this says a lot for where Carmel stands politically moving forward as it continues to turn more and more purple over time. And and also, I know we'll talk about this later, but the, the mayor race for 2023 in Carmel, like this makes that race way more interesting. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And then some other ones up in Fort Wayne, you had a, a recently redrawn district up there, Democrat Kyle Miller won, you know, a, a win for the Democrats there. And then in Anderson, Terry Austin, a state lawmaker, mm-hmm. appears to have lost to Republican Kyle Pierce, which is a, a pretty big loss for Democrats. And then it appears that in Southern Indiana, Rita Fleming lost her seat. She's a Democrat as well. Now, obviously some things are still up in the air. I expect we'll probably have a recount for Rita Fleming's district, but all that equals out to a wash in terms of gaining or losing seats. So you still have, you know, Republicans still have the supermajority in the house, even regardless of what happens with any recounts in Rita Fleming's district. Right. So, yeah, here we are, the, the House Republicans still with a 71-29 supermajority. They're going to have a lot of new faces in their caucus next session. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. One last thing that I, I kind of noticed in the House races, where House Republicans typically are very concerned, you know, Representative Devon and Teshka in North Central Indiana, Altoff in Lake County area, Shibley on Hamilton County area, they did really well. Typically, those races are within a couple hundred, and it seemed like all of them were 2,000, maybe 4,000 vote winners. So interesting to see how the dynamics might be changing a little there. Yeah, I think that's a great point because a lot of those districts, or well, a couple of the ones that you mentioned are ones that have flipped hands in recent years. So I right. really expected those to be competitive and, you know, maybe flip, but I think it just shows that politics are ever changing. You know, the competitive districts in the states are forever changing. Yep. So let's talk Indiana Senate races. Not Again, not a whole lot of change there, but there were a couple of close races that were on everyone's radars. What, what were you watching? What do we see? Yeah, it looks like overall uh, Democrats lost two districts that they had and gained one. So, mm-hmm. you know, overall, it looks like they are losing a seat in the grand total of things. So I believe that they're going to be at 10 now. Right. Uh, So they kept, one of the ones I was really looking at was Senate District 29, which is on the west side of Indianapolis up into Boone and Hamilton County. That was Senator J.D. Ford's district. Um, And he was able to, you know, hold off against challenger Alex Troy. So that was a really, a big win for Democrats there, even though it's a seat they already controlled. And then they also won the newly redrawn Senate District 46. That was Andrea Mm -hmm. Hunley in Indianapolis. And this has won that because of redistricting, moved from another portion of the state to Indianapolis. So Democrats were expected to win this one. That wasn't a big surprise, Mm -hmm. but it's still 
you know, a win for their numbers. In terms of losses for Democrats, at Senator Griffin in Senate District 1 up in Northwest Indiana, he lost. And so that's that's a really interesting district up right. in that Northwestern region that we see might be moving more Republican over okay. time. Um, right. And then another one that, you know, was kind of a, a loss for Democrats was that Republicans kept Senate District 31, which is Kyle, Senator Kyle Walker's district up in Fishers, you know, he, he, that was supposed to be a close race, but he ended up winning by 10 points against Jocelyn Vare. But I think a lot of that is he had raised over a million dollars in large part because of the help with, from the state Republicans really wanting to keep that seat. So I think it shows you money really does matter in these races. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. So before we leave the state house and talk a little bit about national races, so day after the election, the caucuses meet and typically it's a pretty non-controversial process. They elect their leaders and their leadership teams and caucus chairs. This year was a little different over on the Senate side. We had heard some rumblings about perhaps a potential challenge to President Pro Tem Bray, but it seems like things kind of worked out and stayed the course. But what did you hear? What, where are things at right now? Yeah, that I expected the Senate leadership race to be really interesting after this summer. If you remember, we had the the special special session focused on abortion access and there was lots of turmoil over in the Republican Senate side. You know, you had Senator Mark Mesmer leave leadership during during the middle of session. You had another lawmaker leave the caucus during during all that debate so i expected mm-hmm. it to be kind of a messy leadership fight i and i you know i don't know obviously it happened behind closed doors so it's hard right. to say how yeah. everything went down but ultimately senator mark mesmer tried to challenge bray and was unsuccessful senator bray will still be in charge of senate republicans and all of the leaders the top leaders in all four of the caucuses will remain the same for next year so there's a lot of consistency there moving forward at the state government legislative level great so indiana congressional races were pretty much still status quo but there was a congressional race that was closely watched this year we do have some new names in some congressional districts Big picture, it looks like the House is probably going to take back Congress, Senate still up in the air. You want to talk a little bit about those Indiana races and kind of where things are at right now? Yeah, so the race that most of us were watching was obviously the first district in Mm -hmm. Northwest Indiana, where you had Representative Frank Mervan, a Democrat, facing newcomer Republican Jennifer Ruth Green. This was a race that Republicans were throwing a lot of money behind nationally and were really excited about the possibility of flipping. But ultimately, you know, I think it kind of followed the trends of the national level in this race and that it wasn't as massive of a red wave as maybe expected, but it was still close results. I think Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the most recent results, it looks like they're only separated by about four or five percentage points, which is major in this district. You know, this is a district that hasn't gone Republican in about a century and it's never this close. So I think it shows you that this is a race to watch moving forward, and it's one that can be competitive in future years. The more, you know, sort of name recognition that Republicans in the area get and the more that the demographics in that area change, because I think you're, you're seeing a lot of people moving out of some of these Democratic areas like Gary and Hammond, and I think that's really impacting the results. So right. 
as well so as some republicans what, moving in from illinois yeah yes that too that too yeah into you know some of these more republican areas so it's I yeah I'm really excited to see what happens with this district moving forward just as a a political watcher who loves a good close race right, right. <laughs> the others you know kind of turned out as expected with you know yeah. decisive victories Andre Carson in, in Indianapolis clearly won re-election you have um you know all the, the same names really won their re-election right, bids right. the two new names that you know were, were easy re-elections and District 9 down in the Bloomington area, Senator uh, Republican Erin Houchin, she was able to win. So she's a newcomer there. And then mm-hmm. up in Walarski's old district, you had the Republican Rudy went up there. So, right. so again, we're still two Democrats and then the rest Republicans congressional yep. breakdown in Indiana. So almost like state house, no change for us this year. So a couple of new right. makes, makes it easy yeah. on you guys, right? Right, right. <laughs> And the U.S., the Senate race here in Indiana, you know, I remember earlier this summer, there was some polling, questionable polling, perhaps that came out that showed it was a, a very close race, but Senator Young seems to have easily defeated him and Mayor McDermott there, so. Yeah, yeah, with that one, I, th- I think the most recent numbers I saw were about 20 points difference there, and I mean, I, I think, I know there was some close inter- internal polling, but most experts didn't expect this race to be competitive just when you look at Senator Young had the name recognition, right. you yeah. know, that's really yeah. hard to beat. Right. And and he had so many fundraising dollars. So those are just yeah. very challenging. If you can't raise enough to get a bunch of ads on TV, it's very hard to win in, in these high dollar Senate races. So, so yeah, Young won as expected there. So no change there as he heads into his second term. Well, so it, it seems like it didn't take very long, and, and we still have some races we don't know final results of. We don't know the final count in Congress. Senate is still up in the air, but it sure seemed to me like we quickly moved on to mayor races in 23 and governor presidential in 24. You know, you mentioned the Carmel race for mayor already. We've already had one candidate announced for Indianapolis. The questions are already starting to flow on who's running for governor in 24. So Seems like the dust hasn't even settled. We're moving on. But, you know, to that, what are some big picture things that you see coming, whether it's Indy mayor race or governor race or presidential? What does the future lie ahead for us? Yeah, I think that's the hard thing about politics is that there's always another campaign cycle just around the corner. So, yeah, we're already talking about about both of those races. I think in Indianapolis, we might see a very messy primary for mayor there mm-hmm. right. um, because we already representative Shackelford she announced she is running for mayor regardless of what mayor Hogsett does they're both democrats right. and mayor Hogsett it looks like he might make an announcement next week so i think this is going to be a really messy primary and force indianapolis democrats to grapple with you know, is it is it time for a black mayor, you know, since they, mm-hmm, they've never right. had one. So I think that's going to be a really challenging primary there for Democrats. You know, as they go into the general election, though, um, like I mentioned earlier, while we saw Republicans dominate statewide in Indianapolis, it was the inverse uh, in the prosecutor's race. Mm-hmm. Ryan Mears easily won despite all right. the, the negative rhetoric around him, all the fundraising for his Republican opponent. So I think that just shows how hard it is going to be for any Republican to win Indianapolis, even if they're a really strong candidate. 
So I think the real fight will probably be in the primary there. And then obviously governor race already talking about that one too. Democrat Jennifer McCormick, who used to be a Republican superintendent of education. She, I I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but she keeps tweeting 2024, you know, and has talked about, she's thinking about entering the race as a Democrat. So I think that would be a really interesting gubernatorial candidate there. On the Republican side, Senator Mike Braun, he is supposed to make a decision about if he's running for re-election or for governor you know, sometime after, after the election is what he had said previously. So we're all kind of just waiting for that email in our inbox telling us what what (laughs) he's going to do or when he's going to announce. But then there's, there's also numerous other Republicans. You have Trey Hollingsworth who Uh left Congress or is going to be leaving Congress and was replaced by Houchin. He's a possibility. You have, you know, Eric Dowden has already entered Uh the race. So he's a possibility. You have Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch, you know, who who also has been looking at possibly entering the race and would would be, you know, potentially our first female governor as well. So lots of people that were all everybody in the media is kind of just waiting to see who's going to announce next. Uh, And that's the handful of names. And we don't even have a candidate from central Indiana yet. So I, I think that could be interesting to see if that pops up, too. Yes, for sure. For sure. I think, yeah, there, there, there was also, you know, rumors previously of, oh, will Senator, our former Senator Joe Donnelly come back and will he run you right. know, as a Democrat? There was always the wishful thinking among Democrats that Pete Buttigieg would come back. I, I don't right. think that's very likely, but I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> but, but wishful thinking for Democrats yeah, there. Right. So uh, we will have to see. Yeah. Well, as, as we wrap this up, I want to pass on a couple of closing thoughts for our members and, and really what this all means for the road and bridge construction industry here in Indiana. I would say we are in a very strong position as we're going into the 2023 General Assembly session. Um, the, the General Assembly is still very supportive of continued investment in infrastructure and meeting the needs of our state for the future. It looks like we're going to have probably about 20, maybe 21 new faces uh, new legislators coming in in January, and we've met with a handful over the summer, but obviously a, a lot of work there to do. Our educational efforts are going to have to continue to grow. And I even looked back at House Enrolled Act 1002. So we're, we're, when that passed in 2017, we had 69 yes votes in the House. We've lost 33 of them. Over on the Senate side, we had 37 yes votes, and we've lost 12 already. So a lot of turnover just in the last five years on, on our key issues. So a lot of work to do there. Um, Kaylin, thanks again for joining us today. I encourage all of our listeners to follow her on social media for your latest political updates and some exciting news that she has coming as well. So Kaitlin, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.